Alright guys, welcome back to another episode of Crossing Swords. As always, I'm Andrew. And I'm um, heartbroken that we have to record this. Obviously we don't have to record this, we could choose not to, but I think we were always going to cover it. Yeah, we like cover it, uh, covering current events in general and anything we feel is wrong out there. And I think this definitely comes under that well, category. We've covered it in a, uh, slightly in a previous episode. but I think as Lefty Snowflakes... Often a lot of, we think a lot of things out there are wrong. Um, <laughs> and some people disagree. Some people are, are prepared to put up a fight. On this one, I think it's pretty universal. I think there's really only one man and a few TV watchers that would disagree that this is wrong. Yeah, I've not really heard anyone um, being pro-Russia in the current situation, I have to admit. No. I mean, even uh, Roman Abramovich is uh, seeming pro-Ukraine. Although he didn't condemn the acts or the war in his no, statement. No, but he's, uh, whatever money he gets from the sale of Chelsea, it's all Well, no, but see, this is such a grey area. So he said, any any profits from the sale? Yeah. How do you determine profits? What? So he's saying he bought the club for whatever I, the value I, of a I Premier League, whatever the value of a mid-table Premier League club was in 2004. And he's, whatever he sells the value of a winning team... In 2022, I mean, what he's going to put all that money in, or is he going to decide actually? I paid for the academy, I paid for this, I paid for that, I paid for this. Yeah, I mean, in theory, if you're looking, I, I think it's perhaps I think it's a really grey area, a poor I'm choice not, of words. Yeah, I don't like it. No, but I've, I, I, I don't took like it, it as the money he'll get from the sale is going to go to charity rather than in his pocket. That's how I chose to take it. Maybe I'm being naive, but we're not here just to discuss. Roman Abramovich. Nope, and I've got. And I've been keeping notes. Look how long this list is. Jesus, I mean, I wrote a few notes. To be fair, it goes. It nice. goes. Well, do, what do you want to start us off with? What part of it? Um. Well, first of all, I want to preface it this whole episode by saying that there's every chance that we're going to make jokes throughout and yeah. make fun throughout. But I just want to be very clear. We absolutely condemn what is happening right now. I couldn't agree more. We hope that, I mean, we'll get on to what we hope for, but we really hope that, that Putin comes to his senses and senses the long-running downfall of himself in it yeah, and, and stops sooner rather than later and saves lives and saves the damage. Not just not just the Ukrainian lives, but obviously there's the sanctions that are taking place from a lot of places in Russia that, that are going to do damage Russian for Russia as well. As well. But but particularly the the immediate danger, yeah. and obviously the developments as we're recording to on a Friday today on the Friday, mm. the developments today that they um, attacked and seized the largest nuclear power plant in Europe. Yeah, and um, thanks to their shelling, there was a fire. Um, thankfully, put out and under control. But I mean, it could the, have the been fucking a catastrophic damage of yeah, it could have wiped out a lot of people. Yeah, and I think. No, I couldn't agree more. I think it's a desperately sad situation and one of the things we do here at Crossing Swords is we like to not make light, but bring a bit of levity to serious situations. We approach everything with humour. Um, and yeah, that's exactly right. We approach everything in humour uh, and, and that includes in our own lives. Um, there's nothing sacred usually for us in terms no. of... So when we do make light things or bring a bit of levity, as I say, it's uh, not out of disrespect or not caring about the situation it couldn't be further from the truth it's just how we process 
these sort of events. No, and there's listen, there's a lot to cover. So if I may dive in somewhat at the start and say, let's take it back to just before the war yeah, and the invasion, um, the anti-Ukrainian rhetoric and memes on social media. Now, Russia are one of the greatest um, Caesars of the power of social media. And I think it's safe to say that they're one of the best countries at utilising social media both at home and in foreign policy and in foreign affairs. I think that's fairly well established and influencing. now, isn't it? And I think a lot of countries are a long way behind, but they were really out on the forefront. And so there was. it's interesting that there was a, 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 a spike in social media usage and sharing of uh, anti-Ukrainian rhetoric and memes in 2014, yeah. just before they annexed Crimea. Okay. And then again... At the end of 2021 and into the start of January of 2022, so in the run up to there was another invasion. spike. Yeah. So as much as people might not have seen a full-blown invasion of Ukraine going on, it was very clear that something was in the offing. <coughs> Just of, and I feel this is sort of um, a question coming from what you're saying in terms of when these things come around, the Russians go heavy on propaganda, yeah, on pro-Russian everything. Um, And also I've seen recently that when Russia are doing well in a conflict, it doesn't matter whether it's justified or not, the swell of support for Putin and his regime goes quite large in Russia. Well, if I may, I mentioned earlier in a a different podcast when we were talking about Boris Johnson. Yeah. And I said that my belief was, you know, he he stumbled into something that works. Okay. And he just kept doing it. And when we were talking about how he went from being a, a you know a journalist to the prime minister through yeah. through mayor or through a mayorship, yeah, whatever the phrasing is, um, and I think he just stumbled on something. He did now. Interesting. Putin, where in uh, in nineteen ninety nine, when he <clears throat> just before he um, took over, so he was elected essentially in like two thousand okay. in nineteen ninety nine. Um, he had he was polling at two percent, okay. so two percent of the nation. Yeah, I think I've him. seen this. And what he did was he placed himself into. I mean, he was obviously quite high ranking in the in the KGB in the Soviet Union I before the collapse he was of the, the Soviet head Union. Of the KGB. Yeah, KGB. And, and so obviously with the collapse of the Soviet Union, and so he was well positioned. He led the military action against the Chechen revolt. Okay, um, and he actually went as far as to, it's quite it's quite shocking. Um, but but my point is after um after that in two thousand when he won he won fifty he got fifty three percent so he'd gone from two percent to fifty three percent and it was all because the strong image of a of a strong winning military yeah. leader yeah. um because he wasn't known for when he wasn't known and if he was known it was like oh he's the security guy he's the intelligence guy he's not really a leader yeah um in in september 22nd actually it's really interesting in 1999 men were seen dropping sugar bags into a building that turned out to contain yeah uh, hexagon and detonators um mvd police then arrested the men who were actually fsb police um and putin then announced that it was all a training deal to see how quickly they could respond to it and that don't worry about it actually is sugar um but there's a lot of like there was a lot of attacks that were like the Chechens, and it's like, and they yeah, were did sort they? of politically uh, well timed, yeah. If because uh, I've I've heard that as well. But my question was going to be, 
are the Russian people, what level of responsibility do they have for the situation they're in and the regime they're under? Um, because like I said, when he is successful militarily, the support for him does grow. They're, now, I, I know that's a tale as old as time. That's always been a good way to appease people is by having a military campaign that goes well and it's all glorious. But well, that was it. His, his, his military... Um, his his polling was waning in 2014, just before the um, the annexation of Crimea. Yeah, so I think you're right in the point you're making that he stumbled upon this thing of, if all else fails, go to war, do something good, or at least it appears good, and I I'll d- get I a think bit more support. In answer to your question, I don't, th- I don't... First of all, huge commendations to the Russian people, who there are currently over... I believe the number sits somewhere around the 9,000 mark and climbing, people yeah. who have been arrested... Mm. For anti-war protests, protests yeah. including, by the way, school children. Yeah, like there's there's images of school children really in prison getting arrested <laughs> because they went to That's the Ukrainian mad. embassy with um, peace signs and symbols and stuff, and they had no no to war symbols with them uh, signage with them. Yeah. Now I will. This is just an absolute side note, but mm. just the record um, currently stands eight years is the maximum sentence for uh, protests. In really? Russia, wow. uh, in the UK, under the new policing bill, it will be ten. Just to throw that out there, just complete side note. No. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> Putin's got a more progressive protesting yeah, regime yeah, yeah. than There's our country now has. But ah, uh, um, oh, it's funny. That I keep seeing these things online of like, while you're focusing on this, this is what our government's currently doing. Um, and it is quite frightening. But I think there's a responsibility. So just that, I think there's a responsibility from the people around Putin. Mm. Even just to sense their own political, so the, the general consensus and the prevailing thing is, as you can see from the Russian kickback, yeah, this is not good. No, combined with the sanctions that are being placed on Russia and on Russian banks, yeah, Putin will not come out of this well. No, I mean apparently, um, from what I've been watching and reading, he expected to have won by now, it and it'd be done. It, it, Anywhere between um, two to four days, I'm reading the reports that he thought. Yeah. He also saved up a literal war chest. I mean, do you remember in the papers we used to hear, like, the new Blackburn owners, Venkis, have given uh, Sam Allardyce a 40 million war chest. But, like, this is a literal war chest of over 600 billion. And he genuinely thought it would be all right because the West had never done what they've done since, which is sanction the centralised Russian banks. No, what we do is we tell them off. We go, <coughs> oh, don't do that. Oh, don't, yes, that's naughty. That's, but, yeah. um, for once, we've actually done it. So he's lost over half of well, the money he's now, set aside. You say we've done it. Yeah. You have done it. Yeah. Switzerland have done it. Some of the neutral countries oh, like really Germany sad. and I can't call Finland, us part of we all of have imposed sanctions. <laughs> Um, now I've just I'm just gonna I've got to I've got to read you these numbers. Okay, go for bro, it. I've got to read you these numbers. Okay, so um, with so um, there were by EU countries there were 446 um, sanctions imposed. Oh, that is to say, asset seized and oligarchs put you know all their assets taken and yeah. put on a watch list and their money is being t- frozen and tracked and whatever 446 yeah. by EU countries 351 by Switzerland um and by the way in like France they were like seizing yachts it's they really were just there and then they were just taking them to get involved with these things they're well, normally a safe haven America 148 sanctions imposed and, and wow. people placed on watch list in the UK 
24, and they have a 30-day notice before the well, sanctions to be kick fair, in. The US actually introduced the Magnitsky Act, which was the first of its kind to go after oligarchs. And but but the UK 24, and there's a 30-day warning on it. So everyone else is doing right now. We're seizing stuff. We're freezing stuff. I mean, that is why that is why Roman Abramovich is selling his properties and yeah, he's selling his yeah. because he's got a month. All his stuff's going to get seized in a month, and it's like bollocks to that. Take it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take it now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we can get into, and I mean, Sakir Starmer's calling for, in the coming week, they want to suggest even more sanctions and measures to go after the oligarchs sooner rather than giving them a month. And uh, Boris Johnson sort of refused to agree to the fact he was going to do that and just sort of repeated what we've already done and what the, has been done. The Conservative Party, the two days before the war, took an £80,000 donation from an oligarch with strong Putin links. <laughs> There's also this guy, I don't know if you've heard of him, uh, is it Lebedev? Lebedev, the, yeah. the, the foreign minister, whatever. No, he, no. Uh, no, no, he's a Russian oligarch's son. He currently owns oh, Lord, the he's, evening, he's in the House he's of Lords. He's about to become a house, he's about to be inducted into Lords in the next month. Yes, yes, and I do him know. and Boris have been friends for I think they said over seven years now. Yeah, and he's the son of a oh, I believe's passed away now. His father was a member of the KJ, high-ranking KGB, KGB and also yeah. an oligarch. Um, so this is a sort of and he's been at his house. They've been at parties together. They've been Hello, seen publicly I, I will, multiple times. I think it's a good idea to say this. Cause I don't know how. You know, just for the sake of covering all bases, for those wondering what you know, you'll have heard oligarchs mentioned a lot. Mm. And someone at work recently said to me, I said, oh, you know, I've never heard that before. And I'm <laughs> like, really? But whatever, so we'll go with it. No, an oligarch yeah. is basically someone who has power and influence because they have money. And generally speaking, because of the sort of the communist setup of Russia, you're not going to find people who like like in England where they come through because they've got familial ties and they've got old money and yeah. family money. It's it's new money. It's it's people who were around at the right place at the right time who rose well, higher through like people who rose higher through the rank of the KGB it, and then were given, you know, gifts and positions and or they and took it by shares in companies or through corruption or there's a lot of dodgy now shit that goes on in the Russian financial system. Is whether it's at home or abroad, they have huge power on um on the political governing bodies because they've got money basically. Yeah, and for example, one of the ways a lot of people made their money and allegedly Roman Abramovich did this, he was a KGB soldier who had men under his command and would force people to sell him their shares in oil companies and gas companies at a massively reduced rate and then once the stock market rose again in Russia, that's how they made their money, was having shares in things that they just stole off of other people. Yeah, it's it's... <clears throat> but I just wanted to cover that just because I think there's a lot no, of... No, absolutely. I mean, one thing I'd recommend people if they enjoy reading or he's even been interviewed by James O'Brien. It's on his old podcast, Unfiltered, I believe. It's a guy called... Um, uh, the book's called Red Notice. The guy's name's um, escaping me at the moment. And he tells the story about uh, how the Magnitsky, Magnitsky Act was created and came about and it's all to do with his story and his lawyer. So it's very fascinating to listen to, and you'll hear a lot more about Putin and Russia in that as well. Yeah, I think, I mean, also it's it's important to point out that the, the world is watching on this one because mm. China, for example, have been like openly talking about invading Taiwan for a while now. 
Well, they've already seized <coughs> control of it anyway, haven't they? But this they they've been doing Taiwan. If you've been what if you've been watching the news at all for the last like three or four years, Taiwan have been making a lot of noise to, mm. to the to the West in particular, saying and to the UN saying every like month or so they're going. China are doing military training exercises in our air, in our sea, in our land. That like fucking ain't shit ain't right. Like they're yeah. fucking gearing up to take over, man. They so want to take over if and I'm China. So the the <coughs> Chinese foreign minister came out this week um, and basically didn't condemn it, didn't call it a war. No, but they've basically seized control of Taiwan. They um, uh, basically decided they went back to an old royal claim on yeah, Taiwan. Yeah, I mean, that, that's their went, thing. They want... Yeah. And it's but, well, currently like, the government of Taiwan serve government in India. They're not even in their own country. No, but it's... it's and it's not, you know... <clears throat> but there's been some um, incredible stuff to come out of this. I mean, war. there's been some real heroic stories. I mean, I saw one the other day of a just a <coughs> regular Ukrainian man taking a mine from under a bridge with the fag in his mouth. I yeah, love yeah, that. Yeah. Clip. I love that. That, clip. that that's what you'd love. To, you'd imagine a like a British meme, <coughs> wouldn't it, of someone just running um, with a mine? There's been yeah. There's there's been obviously um, Vladimir Klitschko. Or Vladimir Klitschko, yeah, two, who is the mayor yeah. of Kiev, yeah, um, stayed behind to fight. He's a yeah. millionaire so boxer. So his brother Vitaly, hasn't he? Um, yeah, and also you've got obviously the, the hero, everyone's celebrity crush, celebrity maybe, it, um, Zelensky. Zelensky. Zelensky, the the oh the Ukrainian president, who's essentially it's essentially like having Nish Kumar in charge. He's avoided being assassinated three times this week. Really? Yeah. I read that earlier. There's been three attempts on his life this week that he's managed to avoid. Yeah, I mean, like I said, just to put it into context, it is like having Nish Kumar elected as Prime Minister and then being suddenly invaded by Scotland. Only Scotland have the military power of Russia. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what... Yeah. I mean, what I find fascinating, I mean, if it's true what we were talking about before, I mean, I put that basically Russia wanted Ukraine as part of a sort of... Eurasian single market and now that it seems like Ukraine are applying to be a part of the EU or well, certainly making noises of it. A big, I mean, they have actually officially done a last minute, like a uh, an emergency access oh, really? um, application this last well, week. I mean, I haven't read up on that part, but say that got put through on emergency basis, would that mean the EU have to back them militarily or? Depends on part of their... Yeah, thing. I don't know. I'm not sure whether we it's have the a NATO Security Council, really. That's the one. Yeah, and but obviously, they, they even if they joined the EU, they wouldn't <coughs> be a part of NATO. Would they? It's a separate no, it's entity. A separate thing. <coughs> and um, I don't know what I was saying, it, but who knows? You were talking about the uh, Ukrainian president. <coughs> yeah, no, I can't remember what I was saying about him though. It's that's fair. It's um, it, I mean, there's so much to cover and so much has happened. One of the things I wanted to talk about was the oh, refugee yeah, no. situation because it's another s- part of this where we are massively underwhelming in comparison to everyone else. I was listening to it la- about it last night and basically we've changed nothing. We've said publicly that we might waive some restrictions on some family visas for Ukrainians. But, but we haven't. But we haven't actually done it. Um, and most of... Well, not most, but other nations have done things like created an emergency humanitarian visa well, the Irish, and things like this. The Irish Foreign Minister came out this last week and said... 
We're waiving all visas, completely yeah. unrestricted. Anyone, send as many anyone as from Ukraine with you, you know, who's Ukrainian or in Ukraine, yeah. come, come, come. Yeah. Um, the EU have recently passed this week that all they're waiving again. They're waiving visas for and then people. There's in, us. I think they're doing it on a two-year emergency. They're doing it on a two-year deal, so yeah. anyone can come and stay for two years, and then they'll reassess it, kind of thing. And then there's yeah. us who literally said. And I'm not joking, I think it was Boris Johnson turned around and said that they could perhaps apply for work visas. <laughs> I, I mean, how insulting. <laughs> sounds We're about so, right for good old so Boris. so far behind, man. It is, but, you, you, I mean, in their, not in their defence, but, you know, a point for them is they're being consistent. Yeah. Uh, I mean, one of my favourite... They a, don't want people <coughs> coming in. One of my favourite clips this week. Um, I saw it yesterday or well, it might have been the day before, was in Germany, in mm. Berlin. Um, and there was there was hordes of people waiting behind the barriers, sort of like you were at like Heathrow or something at the airport, yeah. waiting for the arrivals. And all these U- Ukrainian refugees coming in off the train. Yeah. And there was a woman with a bullhorn. I'm like getting like goosebumps remembering it, like genuinely, like woman with a bullhorn. And she's saying, you know, bringing the refugees down. Sort of like one woman, three kids, speaks French. Who can help? And everyone there is uh, people living in Berlin or in the greater Berlin area, you know, in, yeah. in that part of Germany. And they're offering their homes yeah. to these people. And it's just this clip of this one. We have one woman, three kids, speaks yeah. speaks French, and a woman steps forward and says, yeah, I can I can take them. And, and off they go. And it's like, mm-hmm. I'm genuinely like getting emotional because it's like such a fucking beautiful thing. It, it's one of the... And re- it kind of... So it, well, it, no, no, it made me so like... You know, whenever there's this, there's a disaster and a, a humanitarian disaster and a crisis, it does bring out these wonderful acts of humanity in response to it. And that, and yet we're being denied that in the UK because we're well, not willing that, that's to... That's what I'd ask you because... It sort of made me angry at the same time. If we're being honest, the way our country is behaved, at least electorally, by electing the Tory government for as long as we have, by voting Brexit... The message we're very much putting out there is people from outside of the UK aren't welcome. I know, and it's such a daft message. So because my question would be, do you actually think that's how we feel as a country? Or like, do you think it would be like that if we had refugees come over, that you'd get these swaths well, of I people? I think it's the same as, is the similar to the thing you know, that Russians have been subjected to last yeah. few years. I think it's been, it's propaganda. I think people believe it because... That's what they're told to believe. But I think they don't really know about it. When you dig into it and you actually yeah. ask them, rather than using like key trigger words like refugees and, and immigration, or whatever, when you actually park those phrases yeah, and you dig into the issues, I don't think it's a very do good point. It. I reckon if you went to an average person and said, how would you feel about some more refugees coming here? And they went, absolutely not. And then went to them, how would you feel about the Ukrainians coming here? They'd probably go, yeah, that, that's yeah. probably all right. You're asking them the exact same question. Or if you did it on a county basis rather than on a on a country basis, and you yeah. went, imagine, you know, and you go, imagine You'd if there was a, a far uh, more you know, you're in Yorkshire, for example, and you go, imagine if there was a, a war kicking off in London, yeah, and there were a bunch of Londoners who wanted to come up, they'd probably open their doors and say, yeah, of course, like it's, yeah. a, you know, I just think once you get to, it's like the whole, and I'm not going to get into it. I know we've said there's a whole episode in this, but the woke thing, yeah, people are there's 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 a whole movement out there, that's like anti woke. Mm. anti-woke but when you actually use the definition of woke and ask them okay but so so you're against people being yeah and they can't answer it and when you actually break down you go oh so you're you're against people being like aware of injustice and aware of the wall being pulled over their eyes by the powers that be and they go 
No, I'm not against that. And you're I like, well, then I think and what that is is people in some way think they're missing out by not being allowed to say something that, if you're being honest, you know is not a nice thing I to said, say. I think it's propaganda. I think it's and you put propaganda out. Look, I think if you put propaganda out in the, the way that we have. I think it hits about a fifty percent mark. I think about half the people in the country buy into it. Mm. Well, no, in fact, I think it's probably about a third. I think it's about a third of the people buy into it. About a fifth or so were already on board with it. They already had these kind of yeah. far views, and then about about half the country just don't buy into it. They're like, "No, you're being stupid." And I think that's what we're seeing in Russia. I think with the Ukrainian war, I think you're seeing there's a small percentage that will have already been all for it because that's the thing about Putin that's what I was going to say is that he's really old school Soviet in that mm. the Soviet Union should be the Soviet Union this yeah. Russian Empire and not that dissimilar to us in Britain it's like you know we're Great yeah. Britain no, we should be and but it's a very much like a territorial thing and so obviously he works very closely with Belarus he's not that bothered with Lukashenko and being like no. we need to take it's like ah, they're already ours don't worry about that yeah, yeah. and um and he puts that to the state media and you see, and this is the thing, the, the message that goes into Russians, they get sold to them, is that the, the, the Ukrainians are Nazis. Yeah. This is a very common thing, that they're Nazis, that they're whores, they get called whores because they're whoring themselves out to the rest of the Europe. And okay. they're, they're like, you know, we, we it's sort of like you're an abusive relationship. Your, it's like, your soul to the we, evil West. we made you, you're nothing without us and now yeah. you're going off flaunting it about to everyone else. It's like, you fucking whore or whatever. Okay. And that comes out a lot. And the Nazi thing, the Nazi thing makes me laugh because, well, not laugh, but, you know, Zelensky, Vladimir Zelensky is the grandson of um, Jewish grandparents who were a part of the Holocaust, victims of the Holocaust. Yeah. You like it's like the least fucking. I know, obviously, that was them, and this is him, and he could do he could do a complete one eighty and be the, like, do you know what? The really Fuck the sad Jews. thing is, but those sort of truths become irrelevant in today's society, don't they? When the narrative is being sold as such, you can just you see it constantly. We saw it under Trump. We see it with our own government. Well, um, speaking of Trump, where Trump. we just go, oh no, no, just ignore that. That doesn't exist. Speaking of Trump, Trump's come out and basically said it's a good move for them. What for Russia? Yeah, let me get let me get this. I've got to search it <laughs> up, but um so actually Fox News was actually supporting Putin. Okay. Um Tucker Carlson, who is a big Yeah, uh, yeah, are you aware? Yeah. Um he said this is an interesting thing. So he said that hating Putin has become the the main part of foreign policy okay. um in America. But should we all fall for that? And this is what he said, and this is just, like, fucking scary. He said, has Putin ever called me a racist? <laughs> has Putin ever threatened to get me fired for disagreeing with him? Has Putin shipped every middle-class job in my town to Russia? Has Putin manufactured a worldwide pandemic that wrecked my business and kept me indoors for two years? Is Putin teaching my children to embrace racial discrimination? Is he trying to snuff out Christianity? Does he eat dogs? Which I thought was a great, like, left-field question thrown in, by the way. Does he eat dogs? Um, he's he's and always is, got to have a dick at China, hasn't he? And this always. is the thing. This is the thing. So he's like, and when you read the first part of that, we mentioned woke. That's essentially the woke thing, right? That's anti woke. He's like, if Putin ever called me a racist, it's like, right? So you're angry at the left because they've called you a racist yeah, because yeah, you're yeah. a racist. Has the you know have they ever threatened to get me fired for disagreeing with them? They're not threatening to get you fired for disagreeing with them. They're threatening to get you fired because you're promoting racist agendas. Yeah. But um, 
Yeah, does eat dogs. Uh, he said, these are fair questions and the answer to all of them is no. Donald Trump's eating a dog. I've no doubt in my mind. Yeah, I may well have. I'm not... Someone paid him enough. <laughs> um, Interestingly, the, the long-term effects, I've just, I've just come across a stat here that... Um, oh, because this is... The, you know I said about China not condemning it. Um, Wang Wenbin who's a spokesperson for the Chinese Communist Party, said that China respected the territorial integrity of all countries, but understands Russia's legitimate security concerns. <laughs> there are no security concerns. Well, that, it's a that's fucking invasion. one dictatorship tipping its hat to another, isn't it? It's yeah. like, don't question what they're doing too much, because then you might start questioning what we're doing over here. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of over here, we have 2,300 Russians in elite private schools. We also have a huge percentage, like, I was listening to something yesterday and they were saying, like, there's a massive percentage of our foreign-owned property in London is Russian-owned. Yeah. And there's a large percentage where we don't know who owns it, but we're pretty sure most of that percentage is Russian. And they buy shit, like, they were t talking about one oligarch that had bought a £60 million home in London and a tube station that was no longer in service. Um, I mean, how much clearer could the money laundering be? To just yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty bait in that. Yeah, like it. It blows my mind, and I mean, part of me wants. I, I mean, I tried to think of a justification as to why our government would be so hesitant to back something that, like, he's got Keir Starmer literally going, "Look, mate, you've got my support if you want to do this," um, and he still won't. I mean, what what made me laugh about our government? It, it as well can't as be anything other than we're too reliant on Russian money. Well, yes. Yeah, so the other thing that made me laugh about our government is they were asking footballers to boycott the Champions League final, which was being held in uh, St. Yeah, Petersburg. Yeah, it's now in Paris, it's isn't it? Um, they were asking, um, and a lot of Formula One drivers, by the way, it's now been removed the Russian Grand Prix. But yeah. um, like Vettel and Hamilton, that came out and said, like, I'm just not going to race there. Mm. Um, our government asking football to book at the Champions League final when actually a year ago they were being told to stay out of politics. Yeah. When we when they were trying to feed our children and and you know take a stand against yeah, racism. But now they should get involved. But now they should get involved and and they've yeah, really crossed yeah. the line. I saw a great quote and I'd I'd be remiss if I didn't get this in. I realised that I probably won't get a lot of my notes in. But I'd be That's remiss if I fine. didn't get this quote in. Um it said the shame of these events is that they are entirely precedented. Yeah, I mean, we we knew this was coming. Um, sadly, it was very widely reported that it was coming. According to well, here's the here's one I want to ask you. So, according to, to uh, some Russian MPs, they said that this has been on the table for up to a year, maybe more. Yeah, it now, probably in his private circle. Longer. Well, now is this is what I want to ask you. These are, these are the Russian MPs. They're not necessarily that close to Putin. No. Do you think genuinely that it's been on the cards for a year? and that it's been talked about for a year, or do you think that's them now trying to claw back some kind of... I, um, don't, I don't think this was a spur of the moment. Well, choice. no, what I was going to say, do you, well, no, it's definitely the fact that they were on the verge of joining NATO, and, yeah, and Russia's like, it's now or forced. never. Yeah. But no, but I think, is that kind of, are they just, do they, has it been on the cast that long, in talked about in Parliament and stuff, or are they saying that because Putin's 
done a madman job. He oh, wields all the power oh, and they're trying to claw back an image of control that. and they've been like, yeah, we knew about it. It was going on for... I mean, they must... If that's true, they must be incredibly deluded to think that anyone looks at a Russian politician and thinks they have any legitimacy whatsoever. But no, but do you know, like... Um, so for them, like, I mean, I imagine... It, to be honest, I'm shocked. I would have been shocked if Putin had told them the day before. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, his they might have found out with the rest of us. His table, his table. Oh, the really long table. The really long table. Yeah, he he sat with with Boris, wasn't it? And he sat with his own fucking generals <laughs> on one end of it. <laughs> it looks really awkward. I mean, that that is overcompensating. Also, his little, look at my word. His little desk. Um, great phrasing, by the way, love that. His little Thank desk you. when he delivered the speeches from. And everyone was like, oh, he's wearing the same tie. It's the same clip. Record. He's just recorded a bunch of clips on the same day. He's clearly like, whatever. But his little desk looks like something out of a fucking brochure from the 1980s. Like that technology is really so dated. Honest. Like the video phone. Yeah, but Russia's dated. And They're like... Uh, but, but I know, but bro... Like, this is ridiculous. I mean, we don't know how far like back the story of that desk goes. Amstrad computers in the back. And like, do you know what I mean? Just ridiculously outdated. He's got the Apple One in the corner. I mean, and that's like, all his friends are really jealous because that's like the height oh, of technology. Like, oh, fucking one. boy, look at this. Yeah, look, absolutely. Look at the floppy disks. No, Amazing. I, I, to be honest, um, I would have said his inner circle definitely knew a year ago, if not longer from that. Um, but... As to whether their parliament knew or their MPs knew, I mean, it's impossible to say. I mean, yeah, maybe it is them trying to claw back a bit of, like, face and legitimacy, but, I mean, at this point... I mean, like, the the thing that when you're on the wrong side of history, and I know I've always... I've said a couple of times, if if Nigel Farage is on your side, you're on the wrong side of history. Like, yeah. the fucking Taliban have called for Russia to show some restraint, have bro. They actually? The actual Taliban Jeez. have asked for some restraint. Wow. Yeah, when the Taliban have turned against you I for feel your like actions, maybe you need to... Taken a you wrong need, turn. Yeah, yeah. You need to stop yeah. and think about well, it. could you imagine if they addressed us? These men at Crossing Thoughts, they blaspheme, we're not happy. They take things too far. I'd be like, well, all right, maybe it's time we stopped doing yeah, this. Yeah, I'd be like, do you know what? Like, okay. I've, 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 I've definitely gone down a bad path here. The Taliban is calling for us to be cancelled. Do you know what I mean? I mean, like, yeah, when the Taliban are against you, you've done something a little bit wrong. Huge respect, by the way, to the, because um, I've got this on the Friday, the reports that they're now reports that they're alive, but the 13 guards on the island. Yeah, because they said they got executed, didn't they? Well, they said they got bombarded with fucking fire, oh, okay. and they just got decimated. Well, maybe they were under a bunker or something. Yeah, it turns out now they're alive and, and being taken prisoner. Weren't these the guys that just told them to fuck the off? The warship asked them to surrender, Russian warship, and they said, go and fuck yourselves. <laughs> and then sort of said, oh, well, this is it, and sort of prepared for the end. Yeah, and they uh, took the beating better than Daniel Craig. <laughs> they took it really well. Um, on that yeah. same Friday... He should have just got in a bunker, man. Um, Putin addressed the Russians, uh, Ukrainians, asking them to turn against their neo-Nazi Bandarite leaders. Um, we have more chance of getting an agreement with them than we do with that gang of drug addicts and neo-Nazis in Kiev. Um, also claims that also then claim that we, Ukrainians are using women and children as human shields when actually Russians are being no. I mean, thought to I mean, fire on civilians. What they say to the Russians is one thing, but I mean, we've seen, I've seen That's just on Twitter that isn't the case. The Ukrainians are doing everything humanly possible to get their women and children to safety. And you talk about humanly possible. Can we talk about the fact that a lot of the Russian troops are conscripts? 
that are young okay. men. I didn't know that. That are being, and even in Russian law, by the way, you, you're not meant to send a conscript onto foreign soil. I mean, that active w- duty. That would tell you probably why they're the not doing of the as young, well, isn't it? And the ones sort of like on and around the front lines. They weren't being. They were being told it was exercises. Really, they were not being told that it was a war or an invasion or a military operation. They were being told that it was exercises. Well, so they get marched into Ukraine and they're like, "Oh, hi guys." I know you. <laughs> I know you're looking at that plane, thinking that's quite dumb. But what, yeah. interestingly, um, where Ukrainians were capturing them, but are you sure, guys? Like you, you've what, given me a live gun here. Like what they would. There's a tank there. There's there's bombers. We've just blown up that building. Like what they were that doing. Car, is that family. This doesn't were, feel like an accident. They were taking these young Russian men and they were feeding them because the Russians are raiding homes in the towns that they're in because they yeah. don't have enough food or fuel or cigarettes. That was the one thing they were looking for. That was, I, I was like, fucking brilliant. They might as well be searching for vodka. I've really round out I the stereotype. War, I think quitting facts would go out the window. Do you, you probably know what I mean? so, do you know that old. I'd be like. <sighs> that old stereotype in moves would be like, this was the wrong day to quit. Yeah. Like, you'd drop every one of them. Like, the minute I saw the first bomb drop, I'd be like, Mum, I'm going around to Pino's. But speaking about... Getting a pack of Sterling. It's like it's the best day Londis has ever done. It's the best... Spas everywhere are just making yeah, money yeah. the day before war. Yeah, yeah. sorry, guys. Pino's is a Londis that's around the corner from my house. And yeah. the guy that used to own it, he doesn't even own it anymore. Was called Pino. Was called Pino, so I called it P- Pino's. I but still call uh, it Pino's. Pino. But yeah, no, so no, to they be were, honest, they people were... kept thinking I was chanting something else, so I just stopped. <laughs> and and he's an upstanding citizen. But they so. were allowing, they were they were helping the, um, the the young Russian men call their parents to let them know they're okay. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that you That's mentioned that they're young conscripts because I saw an image of a Russian soldier that had been captured, and he looked about fourteen, and I yeah. thought he looks far too young to be on the front lines. And, and in in the southern, in one of the southern uh, southern cities, in a city between sort of between Crimea and Kiev. Yeah, one of them was captured. He was fed. He was clothed, and they gave him they gave him a phone to call his mum and tell him that she he was all that's right. That's nice. And it's like that's how you humanity that, yeah. you know humanity wins, right? Well, what that shows is that despite what Russia's done, the Ukrainians aren't going to sink to their level. No, no. A lot of Russian people are against it. Like I said, a lot have been arrested. One of the questions I wanted to ask you while it's in my head. Uh, I don't know if you watched PMQs. I just sort of watched the highlights. I, I watched the no. direct sort of back and forth between uh, Keir Starmer and Boris. But as I said previously, Keir Starmer's obviously... He wasn't quite criticising Boris. He was pointing out that he felt they could do more um, and recommended ways to do more. And then even said, I'm giving you an open invitation. We can get this through very quickly and do some good together. Yeah. Do you feel that's the right thing to do in this situation or do you think he should just bombard Boris still? I think it's a really interesting approach because mm. I, do, I do believe that he should be bombarding Boris because now he's got the fuel to say <coughs> he can essentially Churchill himself. He can say, look, we're prepared to help the government do everything we can. Why yeah. is the government giving them 30 days to get all their money out? Well, do you reckon that will be the, the next step? So he's done the... You know, come. T- we'll do whatever you want to do. We'll get this through. We'll. No, I think you've got to turn it. I think you've got to show yourself as the leader mm. and show Boris's flagging. So if I was, if I was Keir, Sir Keir, yeah, I'd, I'd essentially be using every PMQs and every opportunity to say, look, that Labour supports the strongest action against. Well, this is the thing, and, and then you can think of whatever scenarios it is in your head, yeah. right? Whether that's full-on military support or whether yeah, yeah. that's just, you know, immediate sanctions. 
I'd be saying Labour support these moves. Labour want these moves. The Prime Minister is dithering. The Prime Minister is giving them days to get their money out. The Prime Minister has his hands yeah. washing these well, money. I think we are willing to work with the Prime alluding, Minister. I, mean, I, think I wouldn't allude. I'd attack. No, I, I, I've, I, I think would. he, in my head, what I think he's doing, um, and I'm not necessarily saying it's the right way of doing things, I think he's trying to show, because the likelihood is, by the time the next election rolls around, if Boris has survived up until that point, which, probably being honest, based off of what he's survived so far, I can't imagine it anything bad happening to him between now and then that forces him to resign. Um, so I think if Labour were to be in power again, it's probably not going to be as a majority government. It's very likely going to be in tandem yeah, with someone probably. else. So I part of me thinks it's him knowing he needs to be seen as someone who can work with others. Possibly. I'll tell you what the... And I think it's also him setting up so that if by next PMQs, Boris hasn't come to him and hasn't... Because what he was doing, he was directly outlining, I want to do this, this and this, and this will do this. You have my full support to get that done. So it's him saying, these are my ideas. Well, that's the thing I think that probably is the problem for Keir is... He's he's very good at attacking Boris Johnson, saying this man is not fit to be prime minister. Yeah, These yeah. this Tory government is not fit to be the prime minister. But at no point does he offer an alternative by saying, at the same time, I am fit to be prime minister. We are fit to be. Yeah, he definitely I don't think he doesn't, doesn't go far enough. About himself. And I think this is a, another opportunity, and I don't want to use the Ukrainian war and invasion as political point scoring. Or a no, but it's a very good opportunity for him to show what sort of leader he but would he be. He can do that. He can now. Uh, simultaneously, simultaneously yeah. say you are not fit to be prime minister. Yeah. I am a leader. This I will is what lead. I, do. I will get this done. I will get that. I will take this action on Ukraine, and I will help them in this way yeah. and that way and this way. And I will yeah. condemn Russia, and I will look for the future. And you know, I you're definitely not. agree with you that he's not someone. He doesn't self-aggrandize enough. And I no. know it's something we dislike about Boris, but we've all both also agreed we basically need a left version of Boris for Labour to be successful again. Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to say that speaking of sort of Boris and the right in the UK, Nigel yeah. Farage was on CNBC in America saying that NATO promised the EU, uh, NATO promised, sorry, and the EU promised that they would not extend invitations to the East, to the countries in the East and the former Soviet Union, and that they've sought to extend further and further, which is not true, by the way. They never extended out. Countries asked to join them when they saw the success of the union. Yeah, but the, the but Nigel Farage is saying um, that it's it's basically NATO's fault and the EU's fault for expanding out when they promised they wouldn't. And it's like what a load of horseshit! Once again, if if Nigel Farage is on your side, the worrying thing sides. is is that people will listen to what he's saying still, won't they? There is still probably yeah. some saddos out there that see Nigel Farage as a legitimate source of. The political pulse, I guess. Yeah, and oh, by the way, I, I meant earlier when I was talking about the EU um, and the fact they've waived visas, they've actually gone one step further. They announced on Tuesday that they would allow Ukrainians in all EU countries access to schools, medical facilities, That's fantastic. and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's no good just letting them in. It's like to be honest, to the only silver lining to how shit our country is is that there's enough out there that aren't. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And that it, it's desperately sad to live in a country that can do a lot more than it does and just chooses not to for no real good reason. Yeah. Um, also um, and to have a government that is only doing those things because it believes it's pandering to something and a need and want in our people. Yeah. 
And meanwhile, Boris is over here saying that we're leading the way on sanctions. We're leading Europe on sanctions and stuff. It's just so plainly not true. Everything. I also read something. Now, it's obviously, it's not as sort of like stringent as it sounds, but like apparently when like Ukraine were developing nuclear weapons at one point and us, Russia and the EU or some of the big nations in the EU like Germany and France negotiated a proliferation with Ukraine where they agreed to stop developing those weapons and in return were guaranteed safety by two nations and us, Germany and France all said that we would support them. Uh, The two nations that swore to defend them were the USA and Russia. Um, And it was an agreement put in place in case you were ever left vulnerable because you weren't developing nuclear weapons anymore. And we haven't fulfilled that. No, obviously not. In fact, we've made the nuclear situation worse when um, Russia put their nuclear, you know, warheads on special alert, I think is the phrase, and it was quite comical, I mean, it, if it wasn't so well threatening. Well, it threatening. is comical in the sense as no one's flexing their muscles. Well, no, it's comical. Well, we're nowhere near. It's comical that. in the sense that he turned around and said, when asked what you know, what brought about that change, and uh, the, the foreign minister said, well, he said, I'm not going to name names, but it was the UK foreign secretary. <laughs> um, that's quite a funny way to deliver it. I mean, it's a horrible thing to deliver, but that's yeah. credit where it's due, that's a pretty funny way to deliver it. And yeah, it's basically... Yeah. The speculation is that it's when Liz Truss went on TV and said she encourages she encourages and supports any Brits who want to fly out and join the fight. <laughs> and it was like, okay, that's illegal yeah. for starters. So, you know, yeah. just, but why would that stop anyone in this Tory government? Right? Yeah. No, well, well But also then you look, at, you look at things like Syria. I mean, obviously they wouldn't do it themselves. People who wanted to fly out. Because that would require some yeah. self-sacrifice. Well, people who wanted to fly out and fight against IS. Obviously a lot of people, you know, they're, we're harsh on people that wanted to join IS. Yeah. But a lot of people wanted to fly out and fight against IS. Yeah. They were heavily um, punished. Yeah. But you also look at, you know, the Ukrainian thing's really sad, but it does show yeah. a kind of, and I'm not trying to diminish your belittle it, but it does show a kind of um, a racist undertone in the world because places like Palestine and Yemen who have been facing the same shit for years and we've done absolutely nothing and just the world couldn't care less do you think it's as simple as there's more white people in Ukraine than in places I think like it's that? not just it's not just a, a a racial thing in terms of the color of the skin I think it's a, a religious thing as well yeah I think also the nuclear element with Russia has made it far more um, it, it feels like with Russia there's far bigger consequences at stake I guess the inter- like I said, all the reports that I've read suggest that this this is a lose-lose situation for Putin. He will be ousted sooner or later because... Well, that was a question I wanted to lead on to, I think, towards the end was... What will happen in the long term? Yeah, so like, I think the way I was going to put it was, do you see there being a peaceful resolution? And if there is, would that see the end of Putin? And if it did, what does that even the, mean? The peaceful resolution thing as well, they keep saying, we want to have peace talks, and he's like, we want to do it in Minsk. And it's like, bro, Minsk, it's like <laughs> fucking Belarus, your little puppet country, where yeah. half of the attack came that's from, by the way. It's neutral, like, is it? Belarus, Russia, Crimea. <laughs> that's where the invasion was launched from. Yeah. It's like, yeah, okay, mate. Yeah, we'll go there. Although they did agree, they did tentatively agree, to special corridors 
where they would have a ceasefire and allow humanitarian aid okay. in and out, whether yeah. that happens or not. So, listen, I've been bounding through my notes. Was there anything, you know, let No, to be honest, we've been kind of thing. having a decent discussion. And Did you want to read through them and see if there was anything? Well, the, like I said, that was one of the questions, I, things I wanted to talk about was, like, for me, even if, like I said, the miraculous happens and for whatever reason Putin's no longer in charge of Russia, I don't know if I believe that's suddenly a positive thing for Russia because they're not going to suddenly turn on their head and go to a democratic nation. And but there's still a power the, vacuum. The very, there's a power vacuum. Well, yeah, and that power vacuum is going to create chaos where people are going to get killed and then we're just going to end up very likely with someone like Putin back in charge of Russia, but just different. Sort of like a real-world scary version of the film, the Armando Iannucci film, have you ever seen The Death of Stalin? No, I haven't. I've heard good things. But yeah, basically, you know, Stalin dies and suddenly all his little cohorts around him are like, you know, smiling to each other's faces while plotting their demise. like, yeah. that throne is mine. Yeah. And I'll be fucked if he knows that. Like, I'm going to take my little section, the military, the KGB, None of those oligarchs, and the oligarchs are the people after Putin that hold any semblance of power. They're not going to go, well, should we uh, start handing the power and the money back to the people? Are we fucked? Do you know what I mean? They're just Listen, it work. There's, there's some as, as well as where we're, where we're sanctioning. Um, just a few stats and figures, by the way. Yeah. Ukraine formed at the fall of the Soviet Union. Soviet Union. They were formed in 1991. Um, year of my birth. Year of your birth. But that was just a random fact I wanted to get in there because I looked it up. So and I was like, I'll be fucked if I've looked together. this fact up and I'm not going to get it into the fucking pod. But the thing I want to look up, uh, the one, you know, <coughs> so the the EU have all agreed to um, ban Russian banks from using SWIFT, which is the world software for sharing money, for yep. exchanging money. Um, so they're having a real time. The ruble's falling below the dollar for the first time, like, fucking ever. It's really, really shit. Well, it's it's funny. I've actually, I saw a graph this morning that basically since um, Putin's been in charge, the Russian economy's just steadily gone downhill. And, and, and the... The thing that is, and no, no, and every time it does, he gets, a, they get a little bit worried. People start to think maybe Putin isn't the guy. He goes and starts a war. <clears throat> but one of the things, so we're we're putting those. <clears throat> there's a huge rush in Russia for people to get their money out the bank because they're like, fuck having it in the banks. The bank's being sanctioned. I want my hard cash. I want that. Yeah. You know, the Russian banks do not have the the, the reserves yeah. to fulfill that need. So there's there's a worry about that, but. It works both ways. Um, I looked it up that um, I've got the stat here because what is crossing swords without a with a few stats? Without a point of stat. Uh, down here, Russia and Ukraine account for sixty percent of global sunflower oil production. Russia does between Russia and Ukraine. Ukraine is number one. Right. Russia is number two in the world. Are we heavily reliant on sunflower oil? It's used a lot. Really, it's used an awful lot. I mean, we use it at home, but I wouldn't have known. I wouldn't have known it was that. Oh, no, big I mean, we thing. use it in a, in like cooking and stuff, but it's yeah. it's used as part of the production process for an awful lot of things. I didn't know that. Fair and, enough. And it's that you know. Well, one of the last things I wanted to talk about was obviously one of the other reasons we wanted to retouch on this was you said you'd changed your opinion on. Yeah, sure how we should approach the situation. And obviously we haven't talked about that at all, so I, it, I don't actually know what you've actually changed your mind on and how you're feeling at the moment. So do you want to talk to us about that? Sure. Uh, for me now, I, f I support full military support to those in Ukraine. Include what level does that go to? It, it, 
I wouldn't go as far as, let's say, like start conscripting people in and getting people in, but definitely those in active military service should be deployed. Let's get troops on the ground. Let's get fighters in the air because, you know, we talk about like this government more than anyone talks about being Churchillian and whatever. Yeah. This is literally what Churchill was faced with. There is a country invading another country after being told by everyone else. You shouldn't be doing that. Don't do that. And now here we are, right? So we're now in a position where we're in that, you know, and also then it's like, if he does, if he's allowed to get away with this, what's next? Yeah. How far does he take it then? Yeah. It's like, no, we've got a full in. And, you know, Finland and Sweden, by the way, who both of whom were told, both of whom are neutral, particularly Finland has been famously neutral for a long time. We've actually covered a little bit of that and we've covered Hurto Risti in yes. our Unsung Heroes episode of the pop, which you can go back and find. The lawyer that became prime minister. Yep, it? yep, yep. And he has essentially sacrificed himself for the sake of his country. Yeah. And um, literally he said, they better not join NATO either <laughs> or they'll be held to pay. The world will see consequences yeah, they've never Finland seen before. Fuck you. And both Finland and Sweden were like, they were never going to join, Yeah. by the way. They were never looking to join and they're still probably not going to join. No. But because of that, they're like, neutral. Fuck this guy's made... Yeah. You know, against the guy that's just made a threat on us, like a nuclear level threat. Yeah. No, nah, fuck that guy's a prick with, you know. I don't think nuclear... Like, it's weird. My mum keeps coming to me because she knows I sort of keep up to date with stuff. And she's like, like, how worried should I be? And I was like, to be honest with you, I wouldn't be that worried. For Like, we're not even currently on any sort of war footing whatsoever. We're not ready in troops. We're sending weapons and supplies to the Ukrainians. But that's about it. Like, in truth, the likelihood of it escalating as it stands is very low. Yeah, but also from a... I know I talked about, you know, where do they stop, what, what goes next, but also from a humanitarian point, people are dying. Yeah. Like, is that Russians simple? are literally targeting civilians. It is that they, simple? And they're doing yeah. it, you know, they took out, there was a bomb at the TV antenna the other day where they wanted to cut communication. Well, the thing is, for me, there's, like, there's no way of invading a country and trying to see cities without killing civilians. No, but they've been attacking <coughs> hospitals apartment complexes, all this kind of stuff. And it's like... Completely unnecessary. Like, people are dying. We yeah. have to get out there and help them. Yeah. And also, there's rumours that the military reserves, the supplies in Ukraine would last... would would only last 10 days of fighting. Okay. So, when, you know, at the point of this podcast going out, I think that's coming on to about day eight, day yeah. nine. And we, I know we're sending stuff. Yeah. If... if we're sending stuff from sort of like Poland and that in the West. If if Russia managed to take much more, yeah. there's going to be fewer and fewer routes for us to even get stuff into there. And to, also the thing... To be honest, I think the moment's passed. I, I mean, unless the Russians do something truly horrific, like drop a bomb on some on a part of... Like, I mean, like, maybe to a heavier degree than they have if they just start shelling and shelling and committing genocide, then I think that'd be the only way we would... Step things up. I, I I currently can't see us under any circumstances to. No, I can't see it either. But I think they are committing genocide, and I think it's just. Yeah, you. you we have to take that stance. Yeah. No, I mean, I couldn't agree more. And I, mean, I know you said it before. You were already on board with that. Yeah, I mean, I, I like when I'm on Twitter at the moment. I'm constantly like scrolling past stuff because I watched a video of like dads being saying goodbye to their children, yeah. going off to fight, and I and. and it breaks my heart and it's just awful um, and you just think there but for the grace of God and 
I've, I've, I feel every day we don't do more to help them. It's more of a stain on us, and especially for us. And because we grew up on stories of, like, borderline, like, glorious tales of defeating Hitler and, you know, why we did that and that it was to stand up for what was right and that we were willing to fight to the last It, it baffles me that these people breath. live off that embodiment. But yet we get to these moments where someone who is equally as evil as Hitler, he might not have committed the same level of atro- atrocities, but stands for the same beliefs that him and his people are superior to everyone else and what they want is what they want and they're going to do it. And I feel like we have, like, and it is banged into us from near enough we're old enough to read how amazing Britain is and that, you know, we defeated Hitler and the Nazis. And, and the rest of it is we do it again, but here we are not doing it again. Exactly. Yeah. And for me, it almost, it's like spits in the face of everything we say we stand for. And, you know, we talk about every year remembering the dead and, you know, respecting their memory. Well, not standing up to people like Putin is the complete antithesis to that. Yeah, it's the complete opposite and it's shameful. And I might be about to undermine your point, but... No, you have to turn oh, yeah. it up. Thank you. <laughs> it's, a, it's a well said point. And it's an interesting. Um, I mean, Jesus, I just lost my train of thought trying to do that. And I'm by not fucking a massively up, patriotic person, but I just find, like, for me, like, you mentioned stuff like Yemen, it disgusts me what's going yeah. on there. And I mean, that's yeah. an incredible regime of propaganda that Israel have somehow managed to wrangle it that. They can do whatever the fuck they like, and you say a word. I know, and the thing about the whole Palestinian thing as well is that it's literally it was us that fucked it up in the first place. Yeah, but yeah, you know, not to get into that. I think no, no, no. I mean, there's so much, there's so many horrors going on right now, and like I said, I'm, I just stand against them, and I like, I fully support military support. I just, you know, I'm not a religious man, but you know, you say this in these situations. I pray to God that less people die and. We get a resolution as quickly as possible. Yeah, and I just want to quickly go through, just make sure I've covered as much as I wanted to cover. Yeah, um, yeah full support to the UN, 100 and, I mean, interestingly, five is a really interesting number here, but 141 to five in a vote to condemn and insist Russian troops are removed. Um, the five that didn't, that's an interesting one. Yeah. Um, when Lavrov stepped up to talk, the Russian representative at the UN. Yeah. 140 representatives walked out. <laughs> and, started the, the, and I think that's a really powerful. That's move. the sort of pettiness I can get behind. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Um, there were reports of Russian soldiers on Tinder, um, but being catfished for intelligence by um, Ukrainian soldiers. Nice. Um, which, again, that's like proper 21st century That's brilliant, actually. Warfare. D- d- just before we continue, did you see um, what Anonymous have asked people to do? To leave reviews on Russian restaurants and businesses oh, on TripAdvisor because the people can get, they're looking for access to information and leave information of what's going on in there? Well, um, Anonymous supposedly did take down some Russian websites, they took over state TV for a short while to display images of the war, like actual images of the war, what's going on. Earlier when I said that um, Russian captives, by the way, were being offered to call their mum, that wasn't true. What's happened is Ukraine have set up a hotline 
for Russian parents to call and check the status of their children. Okay. But it's the same sentiment as far as I'm... Yeah. And yeah, the Russian tanks and convoy being stranded, running out of food, running out of food supplies, that to us suggests, like you said, that he mm. thought it was going to be over a lot quicker. Yeah. Did you see that uh, picture that was oh, no, sorry. around? Just before you go, the, the yeah. one the one thing that the, the, the thought that was bouncing around in my head that escaped me before I fucked up the applause yeah. is that the guy who invented the term, you know the idea that on the internet, someone at some point will compare someone to Hitler and at that point they've lost the argument as soon yeah. as you make the comparison because obviously they're not Hitler. That's a ridiculous thing to say. Yeah. Even he came out this week and said... And said, no, in this no, case it's fair. Yeah, it's all gone out the window <laughs> in this case. Well, there you fair. go, it's been verified. Um, but the picture, sorry. Yes, it's, it's just a funny thing of a Ukrainian man in cycling gear on his bike cycling down the road and there's tanks crossing. Yes. Um, and like someone posted it and was like, you know, look at this guy just casually cycling down the street with tanks rolling. And then someone just commented underneath saying, fucking cyclists, even during a war. They, they think, think they're, they're in the road. road. I said, And I, I was that. just like, yeah, no, I saw go that. on. <laughs> no, and, and, and it's real, like, right now, I know we mentioned the whole, like, Churchillian thing. Like, right now, that's what Ukraine is. That's what Zelensky's doing. Yeah. He's, he's smashing and it. And also, he's, um, they, you know, it's all these little moments of, of yeah, fucking stand up and fucking, you know, they took all the road signs down so yeah. that the Russian troops couldn't find their way <laughs> easily to the key I love cities. That. I love and then that. And then they put them back up. Yeah. And every direction was, it all said the wrong to, way. to the Hague. <laughs> all to the Hague, <laughs> which is the the um, international criminal court Love in it. the Hague. For those that don't Love know, it. so that's yeah. clever. Yeah, real moments sort of, of penis, human pettiness. I yeah, get by. it's like, do you know what? I might not be able to grab a gun and fight, but I can be petty as shit. I, I and can if fuck that's how I fight. Up. That's how I fight. I can yeah. fuck their shit up. Yeah, we stand with Ukraine. I think is the overriding yeah, message. Undoubtedly, um, yeah, I've. I've my thoughts just go out to them. I hope as many fathers get to go home to their children as possible. Um, I hope as many civilians as a, as is possible get to safety. Over a million now, a million refugees having fled. I mean, it's mad. It's it's huge what's going on at the moment. And I think people are going to look back on this period and judge us quite poorly, sadly, because I don't think we're doing enough. No. And that's um, the thing is, it's as if the world hasn't been shit enough for the last two years. Yeah. And that's well, that's the thing. Do you think that that had a thing? Because there's a lot of reports that the isolation and the lockdown kind of amplified Putin's paranoia. I mean, you see him sitting no. like a fucking mile and a half away from his generals, like he's right. They're going to poison him. Do you think Putin which they was should by locked the way. up in his dacha um, during COVID? Fuck no! Like I was doing whatever fucking. I'm wanted. just saying. You know I just that, I'm throwing that it out man there. has not got fucking COVID depression. Do you know what I mean? It's, that's just that's not. No. There's no term for what he's got. No. It goes beyond that guy was licking door handles. He was doing whatever the fuck he wanted. Do you know what I mean? Licking everyone else's door yeah, handles. He was fucking whoever his. he wanted. You know, guarantee that man's got a harem of women, of ever revolving women and men. Yeah, why not? Who cares? One of the right? most powerful men in the world. Why not? Most of the most powerful men in the world historically have been gay or yeah. had gay sex. Not even been gay, but had gay sex. Yeah. And I bet he never received. We should it's do that. We should do. And I realize this is a weird thing. We should do what? We should, we should do gay sex. <laughs> is this you propositioning me? We, I mean, should, I was, we should 
We should do gay sex between us on the pod. No, we should do an episode looking back at like historical leaders who have been in queer relation or queer people through. Well, Alexander the Great, the most successful conqueror, arguably of all time, used to have um, men he shared his bed with. Him, that's that whole thing with Julius Caesar. Question. And. Uh, was Julius Caesar a bum? Oh, I nearly said something ah, about Was he gay? I called that He back. had a sexual relationship with a leader of another empire. Oh, but, really? But the people, the people knew about it. They weren't bothered the fact that it was a gay... They bothered the fact that he was the one taking... They were like, a great Roman leader should, really? be, should be the one can, doing yeah, the fucking... Yeah, but then, back in those days, like if you drew a picture of Cleopatra taking a penis, you know, that was a killable offence. If you were caught doing that, you were like shaming... The pharaoh. So. Yeah, but but anyway, we stand with Ukraine. Yeah, it's a weird way to circle and back gay around to relationships. But um, it's it's horrendous. There's no other way for it. No other no, word for absolutely. it. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, to our brothers and sisters in Ukraine, we um, stand strong. Stand strong, and you'll get through. Stand strong. And the world that, is with you. It feels uh, sort of bad to plug after that. So I think. For once, we'll skip that, we might, and it we will just come it. up on screen. You'll see it if, um, you, if you're on. And we will just end it by sending our love to all those affected out there. Yeah. And hope it's over soon. We're with you. Yeah. Goodbye.